two weeks ago this last Monday, I went to the emergency room. Now, if you're going to go to the emergency room, be prepared. It's an adventure. Okay? If you prepare that it's an adventure, you're all right. Okay? I just went in there because I was going to get a CAT scan. I had a little bit of pain on my right side going around to my back. And I thought, well, I'll get a CAT scan. Of course, they had to do x-ray first and then do the CAT scan. But I uh, go for my medical treatment. I go only in medical group, and they didn't have a CAT scan available. They said, just go over to the emergency room. So I went over there at 2.30. At 3.30 in the morning, I get out. So 13 hours I was there. Like I say, it's going to be an adventure if you go there. But while I was there, I was, you meet great, good people. You meet all kinds of people in the emergency room. There's all kinds there. You know, it's a different world, isn't it? That we, <laughs> we live in our own little world on a farm or out in the country or in a nice little house or whatever. And you go to the emergency room and he said, oh, there is another side of this country, isn't there? Okay, so we see that. But um, God gave me this verse as I was sitting there, and it's in Romans 5.8, it said, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so as I was, and I'll get to that later, but we're going to go right up to uh, the beginning of Romans 5, and we're going to be talking about the benefits that we have we have the benefits of righteousness because of Jesus Christ. And if we take a look here, it says in verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, being justified is when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you realize God declares us righteous. And I was sitting there in an emergency room. You know, there's a lot, and I'm just talking about my flesh. There's a lot of unrighteous people in there. I was looking at it that way. But then you go down to Romans chapter 5, or or verse 8. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, when we sat there, and Terry was with me, you know, there were people there that were coming off their weekend drunk or drugs. They had a bucket. They were throwing up. And then there was another person. He must have got arrested for drugs or something like that. They, state police brought him in handcuffed. They had to do a drug test on him. And so this is what I'm saying. And, you know, we look at this, and, we, and I looked at this. I said, you know, these people are pretty disgusting. But you know what? It says, but God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what? Commendeth, I looked it up. And it's, it's God's love is not based on merit. He commits his love to. You know, God loves the unsaved. He loves them. And I got looking at that. And I said, you know, God loves these people. And we know that because scripture tells us. He loves the whole world, doesn't he? And so we see this, but we also see that we are declared righteous if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he's made a change in our life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Father, we thank you for this night. Lord, I just ask as we go through your word that you would speak and not not myself. I thank you, God, for the truth of your word. I thank you that it continues to teach me. 
I thank you that it's eternal truth and it will be forever. Lord, help us all to glean from your word tonight that we might be better stewards of your grace. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it says right here, I thought of in verse 1, therefore being justified, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know right here, and I was thinking of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. It's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ because it says that not of yourselves. It is a what? Gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, and then it goes, I'm skipping around here, but this is what's coming to my mind. It says in verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Now we're talking about what we see as men that are good. Paul's writing here, but he's setting this table here <coughs> for verse 8. That God's love is for sinners. And God's love is not based on merit. You know, one of the things we come here to church and we love one another. We're easy to love one another because of what God's done. But you know what? We've got to look at the sinful world and God realize that God loves them just as much. He commendeth. And that word commendeth, let's take a look at Luke twenty three forty six. It's got commend there. In Luke 23 and verse 46, I want us to understand commend. It means to commit, <clears throat> to give. And here in this passage, passage of Scripture, as it is written down here by the Holy Ghost through Luke, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Now, we know in our teaching we know that Jesus said, I commend my spirit. His spirit went to heaven. His soul went to hell. And his body laid in the grave. Okay? So one of the things, you now he went to hell for us. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm going to skip around, but I want you to try to follow my thoughts. Now, my wife has a hard time following my thoughts, and you'll understand why now. But let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. This just came to my mind because I read this a while back. <clears throat> and let's take a look at verse 28. Before he gives a commission to his disciples to go out and go by the highways and hedges, it says, He said to them, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So we need to remember that, what Jesus said. And you know, we might, as we sang here, he giveth more grace. We may have to have more grace as we go through the days ahead. And remember this. As bad as it is, if we are martyrs for Jesus Christ, the worst thing is someone that can kill not only the body, but the soul in hell. Notice that there, the judgment. And so, 
I go back here. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5 again. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. That's one of the things we have peace. That can only come from God. You know, we have a lot of people in the world today that don't have peace. I know I talked with Terry, and we know we got this thing, and, I, and he made a good comment. You know, people are afraid of this COVID thing, aren't they? And he made a good comment. We live by faith, not fear. What's he saying? We live in peace. We can't live in fear. And we have to know that God is in control of everything. He's got control of everything. You know, I think of some of our, and I probably shouldn't do this, but I listen to the news. I probably shouldn't. There's some crazy decisions being made by our government. But you've got to remember, this is unimaginable. But you know what? God is control, in control. Maybe this has to be to bring us down. And notice right here in verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace. How do we have access? Because through the Lord Jesus Christ, he's our mediator. You know, we have access to God. We're going to go to God tonight in prayer. We don't have access to many of our political leaders when we need them, do we? I don't know of anybody in this room that has access to our president that you could just give them a call. Or if you want access to them, right? I saw some of you rolling your eyes. So we have access to God by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Notice, we stand. Paul said this many times in his Bible. We need to stand as Christians. He said, what? Stand fast. Stand fast. And where we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Boy, that's a tough pill to swallow. We glory in tribulations. You know, we've had it easy, haven't we? Let's be honest. We've had it awful easy. We don't know what tribulations are yet. You know, gas is getting to be, what, four bucks a gallon now or thereabouts. You know, next year at this time, it might be 12 or $15 a gallon. Or it might not, you know, with everything else going up, we know the cost of everything is going up rapidly and everything. I guess the price of eggs has dropped down a little bit now. It has. But we know right here, notice right here, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience. Now notice right here, Patience, yeah, it can mean being calm, but also remaining strong through the whole thing. We need to remain strong as Christians. We need to remain strong and experience hope. Now, let's go to Romans 8.28. That's a very familiar passage, and I want to read that. And we know that all things work together to, for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. Notice all things work together. Remember that verse. All things work together. What else does it say? 
for good to them that love God. Do you love God? You know, a lot of times through tribulation, I shared with you darling Rose as she sang this song and she never saw her husband again, but God gave her grace. He giveth more grace. You know, one of the things, she loved God. That's the greatest love that you can have when you love God. Why? Because he never fails us. Notice right here, we'll go back down there. He commendeth his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He committed his love to us. Not based on merit, because nobody stands higher at the foot of the cross, do they? Isn't that beautiful? God loves the unlearned. And that's what hit me when I was at the emergency room. People there were throwing up. People there, there was a person in handcuffs, getting drug tests, whatever. You see a whole different side of the world, but you know what? God loves them. And notice right here in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's in verse 6. Now notice right here, I know I'm not going in order, but this is where, where the Lord is speaking to me. Notice right here, many of the people that you see caught up in sin, they're without strength. We were without strength when we were sinners. Notice they're addicted, they're without strength. Now it says in due time. Now there's nothing new under the sun, and we know, and we'll be getting there, that in due time Christ died for the ungodly. So what about those people back in the Old Testament, back from Adam on? In due time, Christ died for them. Guess what? Newsflash, there were ungodly people after Adam. As a matter of fact, it was so bad that he spared Noah and his family, and he flooded the whole world and destroyed man. It was so wicked. But doesn't it say somewhere in the scripture, in the last days, as in the days of Noah, men will be lovers of themselves too? And it goes on with all those things. So we see this, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Boy, what love. And you know what my picture is of that? Is that when Adam was created, Eve was created, that we were created in the image of God. We were his. And then Satan entered in the picture. He destroyed it. But you know what? When you love something, you love them. Now I'll tell you what. There might be some of us in this room that have children that don't live for the Lord. But you know what? You know what that is. You still love them. That will never change. And that's the thing with God. He loves us. He loves the ungodly. He loves those that are all entrapped in sin. He has Infinite love. Now, <clears throat> let's go on here. It says right here in verse 9, For much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, notice right here, how are we saved? Because of Jesus. It says right here, we are justified by his blood. Now, we can go back into Leviticus. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 16. And we can see this. And, you know, it comes to mind, Psalms 40, verse 7, in the volume 
of the book it is written of me. Okay. Now, we see this picture here when they had the Day of Atonement. Now, a lot of these things are going to be repetition, but you know what I found out in Sunday school? Repetition's good. Repetition's good for me. My, my, my wife always gives me repetition. <laughs> reminds me, reminds me, reminds me, okay? Like this, before I came here, she straightened out my collar. I had my tie over the top of my collar. And she says, let me fix you. <laughs> so she got me fixed. All right. And it says here in verse 11 in chapter 16, And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which... Now, we're talking about the Day of Atonement. Now, we're going to take a look at two words, reconciled and atonement. All right? And we'll get a definition for those, and that will help us, I believe. And it says, And Aaron shall bring the bullock for a sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself. Now, back in Romans chapter 5, it talks about how Jesus Christ in whom we have received the atonement. The atonement is the blood and is the satisfaction for the payment of sin. And notice back in the Old Testament, Jesus hadn't come yet. But you know what they did? They sacrificed for Aaron and his family, a bullock. For the nation of Israel, they had a goat and a scapegoat. The goat they would cast lots. One would be the sacrifice, and he'd take the blood. And we're going to read through that and do different things because the blood is the atonement. Now, why is it the blood? If you read in Scripture, it says the life of the flesh is in what? The blood. Listen, when I went, I had to do this all over again. I went to the only in general, the, or the only in medical group, and they said, well, we'll do the x-rays here, but you got to do a blood test. And so then I go over to the emergency room. Oh, you got to do this all over again, right? So, I mean, they took so much blood out of me, I died almost, you know. No, no, they But, you know, they're drawing this blood. But we know the life of the flesh is in the blood, and they can do a lot of different tests in the blood, can't they? So, but that's what satisfies sin. Now, let's not get into that too deep, but we know this, that Jesus' blood was perfect. Now, if you go back and we talk about the conception where it said the Holy Ghost came upon Mary, that was totally God. There was not of any of Mary's blood. Now, I know the Mormons teach that God had intercourse with Mary. That's what they teach in their doctrine. It can't because it's not her seed because it was corruptible. Jesus was incorruptible. And we know this for now that we do this, and I do this all the time, not myself. I have a vet come in, and they implant embryos in the cattle with their own genetics. And when that calf is born, that cow takes that calf, even though there's no genetic material related to it. There was no genetic material related to Mary on this, okay? But we know that as... The Holy Ghost came upon her. We know that Jesus developed inside Mary's womb, and he was born as a child and as a man. Now we see this, 
And it says, and I just read this in the scripture, you have to look it up. Jesus said before he died, the Lord is my father. He doesn't say anything about Joseph. He doesn't say anything about Mary. He says God. So supernaturally placed within her womb, totally God. And you know one of the things? They said, well, blood mixes. The blood does not mix with the placenta. I know this for a fact. It's a filter. The blood comes very close. There's little nephrons in there, and, and it crosses over the food, the nourishment, and the oxygen to that baby through the placenta to that baby. It goes in the umbilical cord. Now, we know this, and I know this for a fact because there's different blood types. I'm a type B, right, Terry? And you're a type O. And three of our children are type B. And Heather's the only O, isn't she? I knew there was something wrong with her. Anyways. <laughs> so, anyways. She, but here's the thing. How can you have a baby that she had three babies that didn't even have her blood type? Well, you know, you, the, when you have to get a blood transfusion, they want to know your type, don't they? So it matches. B and O don't match. Now, how do those babies live? Because it was their blood genetically, apart from me, that developed. But when that baby was in her womb and that placenta, the, the nourishment went through that placenta but did not mix with that baby's blood. It never does. It never mixes with that baby. Isn't that amazing? I think you ought to look that up on a placenta. If they took those filters out and stretched them out, they go like three miles long. It's amazing. They're all microscopic filters in there. But the, the point is on this is that blood is the life of the flesh. You don't live too long if you don't have any blood. That's why the atonement was blood. That was the satisfaction. And you know, as Jesus died and bled on the cross, we know his blood was infallible and it was without sin. Now let's go, are you still in Leviticus? I'm sorry I went on that little rabbit trail. And it says about Aaron taking a bullock for himself for the sin. I'm going to start in verse 12. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord. The altar before the Lord is the altar of incense. Now let's take a picture in your mind of the tabernacle. There's the courtyard. There's the bronze off, or, yeah, altar on the outside. Then you go into the holy place, and there's the holiest of all, where the curtain was. And behind there, in the holiest place, was the Ark of the Covenant. But in the first chamber there, there was the altar of incense. What else was there? Table of showbread, the, the candlestick. Okay, those three items. Is there, was there anything more? Spoon in the bowl. Where was that? Was it? Okay, are we talking about the censer that they took off the, the burnt offering? But anyways, we know this. We'll have to study that. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord. There was the altar of incense, I know that. That was before you went into the holiest place. And his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. Now, that's the most holy place. He goes 
Aaron and the high priest did that too. All right, after Aaron had passed away. But he goes into the holy place, most holy place, and he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. So it had to be clouded with that smoke because if he was able to look directly on that, he would die. Now remember, Aaron's two sons did strange fire before the Lord or something like that, but they were they were killed. So it was important that he did this. And it says in verse 14, And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. Now, the bullock was, again, for him and his family, eastward, and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. And we know the number seven is completion. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering. This is on the day of atonement once a year. That is for the people and bring his blood within the veil, that's in the most holy place where the ark is, and do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat, and he shall make an atonement for the holy place. Now, what's atonement? Again, it's a satisfaction. Because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household, and for all the congregation of Israel. So no one was even to go in there, in the tabernacle. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord, and make an atonement for it, a payment, and shall take the blood of the bullock, and the blood of the goat, and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. Now this is the brass altar out in the courtyard. There was horns on it, on the four corners. There was horns. All right, now, so what was this right here? Let's go in in verse 19. And he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hollow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Now, let's go to Hebrews 9.12. This gives us the full explanation. Now, why did they do that? Because they knew that Savior was coming. (coughs) Excuse me. Okay, 9.12. Notice right here in Hebrews 9.12, New Testament, Jesus has already come, died on the cross, and it explains to us we have redemption because neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. What are they talking about? Jesus. It's Jesus' blood that gives us eternal redemption. Now, with that term eternal means it never started and never ended. So that eternal redemption, I explained that before, not only is for us, not only for Paul, 
not only before that to the minor prophets, not only to David, not only to Job, not only to Adam, but even before Adam, it was already settled. And we know that the law wasn't given until Moses received the law, but men still did sin. And we do know from Scripture there were righteous men. You know, Job was before Moses. I don't believe Job was a Jew. Job was a Jew. So we see this, that God was revealed to mankind. We know even when the flood came, Noah was a righteous man, wasn't he? Noah was not definitively Jew. He had three sons, Shem, Hamath, Ham, and Japheth, right? Shem is the Semitic people. Out of that comes the Jewish line. But we know Noah believed God. It says he believed God. So that's the key. We've got to believe because of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you that. Let me help you explain faith. Faith is a record that your word is good. That's what faith is. I remember my father, he had a contract business. My dad was a contractor. He did his main thing that he did, believe it or not, and he did good at it. He put in septic systems. I remember when I first job, he gave me. I shoveled out a caved-in septic tank. It was steel and the top caved in. He he said, I got a job for you. I said, okay. So I shoveled it out. You ever shovel out a septic tank? Okay, but anyways, he did this job. And I remember my dad, this fella, he did a job. And, you know, some people, you know, this is why our testimony is so important. This guy, my dad completed a job for him, and they had agreed on a price and everything. And the guy wouldn't pay him. My dad said to him, I remember him saying this. I did your work in good faith. You need to pay in good faith. And that sticks with me even today. It's the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, why is Jesus Christ's faith good? Because we got a record. Just like we know we have a record with different people. We know people in our own little communities that we live, we kind of scratch our head, should I believe what he says or shouldn't I? We even have a president, we scratch our head and say, should we believe what he says or shouldn't? You know what I mean? But we have a reputation. What is that? It's our testimony. And so we see this, it's the faith of Jesus Christ. He has a, the testimony here all the way. And like I said, in, in, in Psalms 40, verse 7, in the volume of the book, we see where God is true. You know, you build on that, you build on that, and his word is eternal. And so we'll end with that, and let's go to prayer.